Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to the On the Table Gaming Podcast. I'm here with Jeremy, the head moderator for the A Song of Ice and Fire, the Miniatures War Game Facebook group. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for the invite. So, you know, it's one of the largest areas that people gather for a Song of Ice and Fire, you know, community and and to talk. Uh, the Facebook group has really played a, a kind of a central role in, in bringing people together and helping the a Song of Ice and Fire community grow and connect. So we thought it'd be a, a good chance to get your perspective on what it's like to be a Facebook mod and, you know, really kind of talk about how you found yourself in such a position and and kind of put a, a little bit of personality here to maybe just someone that people are, are interacting with maybe in the kind of more administrative role in the Facebook group. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to jump into things here. So before we get into that, let's let's talk a little bit about your experience with gaming and, you know, how do you find your way into this hobby? Oh, God, this is, um, well, I might be uh, a little bit older than the average age of most of the players, I'm not sure, but um, I originally started gaming with uh, just by myself with like my, my dad's 172 scale plastic figures and and plastic tanks and my brother had some stuff he's older than me he had some uh, miniatures he used to play with on his old railway set table and then high school this was i got into role playing D. &D. yep <laughs> um, and then pretty much any any role playing system under the sun after that traveler gamma world She's uh, uh, lots Shadowrun, uh, Cyberpunk, and then I think it was '89. I went to a convention in um, Melbourne here, where I live, in Melbourne, Australia. That is, by the way, people. And uh, yeah, there was a group of people about my age who were playing modern micro armor. You know, the six millimeter scale tanks. And uh, I sort of jumped on the table of that and played some games with it. And I was like, and I thought, this is really cool. I really like this. And so I started hanging around with that group and just basically. Basically, was my introduction to gaming and moving on from there. So you're into all the cool stuff that's like, a lot of that stuff's like coming back now in like second waves. It's like kind of retro being reborn. So you were kind of like in there from the start on that. Yeah, I've got way too much stuff basically sitting around. <laughs> Um, yeah, every now and again, I look at these piles of stuff and think I need to like, you know, cut back. Yes. So, so yes, I have, I've been around for a fair while in the, in the, uh, gaming world, done a few different things over the time, um, played a lot of different games. Um, I enjoy, really enjoy playing games, not so much the painting aspect, which is why there's a big backlog in front of, on the desk in front of me. And, um... Yeah. How'd you go from, you know, modern micro armor and any of you, there's probably a lot of games in between, but how did you end up with A Song of Ice and Fire? Well, I think it was, well, I, I discovered the books some years back. Uh, a friend of mine who was also a gamer was really, really into the books, like well before I was. And actually, it, um, maybe my memory is really bad about these sorts of things. Um, the first series of the show, The Game of Thrones, had come out and... I thought, oh, a fantasy TV series. This looks really cool. I started watching it. I didn't know about A Song of Fire and Fire at that point. And then um, I got through the first season and, spoiler for people who may not have seen it, you know, at the end <laughs> someone someone gets their head chopped off. Allegedly, and allegedly. We were all keeping it close. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> and I was like... Uh, just flabbergasted, you know, I was like a mouth open, like, what? <laughs> what? What? They just killed this guy. Like, okay, you know. but it's not mean. I mean, he, he, he's died a few times. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the lead character. What? 
So I thought, that's it, I've got to read the rest of these books. So I went out and, and got all the books and immediately read them and loved them. And, I mean, I was a fan, big fantasy sci-fi reader anyway, so it's like I just for some reason never come across that series. A little while after that, I'd been getting into wandering around Kickstarter, as you do. Oh, very dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. And backing backing various games and board games and that sort of thing. And, oh, that sounds nice. I'll put some money in on that and help that get started and that sort of thing. And then I don't recall exactly how, I came across it. Maybe someone mentioned it or maybe I just fell across it. But anyway, came across uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game on Kickstarter and was like, oh, I'm all in definitely because I love the world and I love fantasy and I love tabletop gaming. This is the, the meeting of all my my loves. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I got into the Kickstarter like straight at the start. Got into, That's how I got into that, into the gaming side of that. And then you were like, man, if that's not, you know, collecting the miniatures, playing the game, potentially maybe painting them, you're like, on top of that, I also somehow <laughs> got to get involved with Facebook. Well, you know, Facebook was a big part of everybody's life at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I, I had been already um, admitting a couple of other groups. I think it was, what was I doing at the time? It might have been Star Wars Legion. I don't remember the timing of all these things. Yeah, Star Wars Legion came out like a little bit before A Song of Ice and Fire. I remember. Yes, yes. I was like waiting for my Kickstarter and I was like, oh, I shouldn't buy another game. But like, oh, <laughs> January, I got to wait like five more months. I'll just try some Star Wars. Yes, well, it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Exactly. That's what I said too. <laughs> that's it, that's it. I mean, once again, it's it's one of those things of it's a it's a meeting of the the loves. It's a meeting of the passions. Yes. And I was like, you know, I can have a sci-fi game and I can have my fantasy game, and I'm I'm okay then because it's you know, I'm not mixing too much. I don't know how I, Simon and I had met up on Facebook. I'm not sure exactly how that came about. I, you might have to talk to Simon about that. Well, he's not here, so any gigs you want to throw in there, we can. Uh, any gossip, uh, <laughs> we can. Uh, <laughs> Patreon exclusive. We'll do a deleted scene. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. So we we decided we'd well, yeah. Simon sort of came up with the idea of, of creating a Legion group, and and that sort of oh yeah, we'll do that, and then. When a song of ice and fire came up, he may correct me on on the timing of all this. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, we decided to do a group on that, and um, yeah, so suddenly you're sort of thrust into all these thousands of people joining the Facebook group because they're excited for the game, and uh, suddenly you're admitting all this. Um, so yes, that's how we got into it. Man, it kind of works out well then, right? Because you guys are you're basically on like opposite sides of the planet. Somebody's always covering a sort of a shift of it back then. <laughs> oh, it tends to work that way. Um, it's, it's both a, a virtue and a pain that I'm in Australia. A virtue in that, yes, that sort of thing. Uh, while everyone is asleep over there in the US, I can be awake and doing things and watching over things. But a pain in that uh, everything's got to come on plane or ship to get here and uh, yeah. of course everything more there's a there's a saying here called the australia tax which is basically um you know a certain amount gets added on to any product that we want because it has to be shipped from everywhere else <laughs> that's another another topic when you uh maybe people are interacting with you in the facebook group right sometimes there's got to be like moderator actions is there anything like you'd you'd want people maybe to know <laughs> about maybe uh <laughs> You know, putting it, there's a kind of putting this human element on these on this whole interaction. I'm a pretty laid back um, moderator, I got to say, um, compared to others. I'm more inclined to just let things slide. The rule I always go through, which was uh, Wheaton's law, you know, don't be a dick. It's just just be respectful of communication. I've been around on the internet for a long time. I was using bulletin board systems before the internet, you know, <laughs> was was a general thing. So I've been through all those stages of using this sort of uh, socially distant 
um, communication, the, the, the angry, the, the, the argumentative, the, the deep discussions, you know. It, so I've seen pretty much most of it. And I think for the most part, people are respectful of each other and are willing to understand that, as you mentioned earlier, that there is a human end of the screen then you know, i'm fine with that you can talk about most things there are a few rules of course with the group as everyone would be aware for my part it's mainly just uh, be respectful to each other and um yeah if, if things get a little heated that's okay that's okay uh, as long as it's done respectfully you know and uh, i tend to also not just boot people out of hand because they're being a bit uh, they're breaking a rule or being a bit nasty because it's like well you know everyone has a bad day but i do i do tend to delete comments and posts if i feel that they're uh, getting a bit out of hand so now that everybody knows how chill you are the next time you have to take action we're all gonna be like that person must have really messed up well yeah everyone has a bad day including me <laughs> so you know maybe one day on my bad day uh, get a bit, a bit, a bit, uh, a bit carried away. I, don't know. I try not to. I try not to let that sort of thing um, uh, carry over into how I handle um, administrating groups. Because um, yeah, I, I, it's not just people being respectful of each other. I've got to be respectful of the members, and um, and people have different opinions and thoughts and things. In general, I would say I'm pretty laid back, but you know, don't break those rules. <laughs> You've been not just involved in gaming and, and wargaming and those sorts of things. You were also involved, I see here, with uh, magazine publications for science fiction. And yes. you were actually uh, involved with Frontier, the Australian science fiction media magazine. Can yes. you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. This is ancient history for me. Um, this is back, back in the 20th century. <laughs> I was involved in various uh, fan clubs. Um, locally here, uh, the Star Wars fan club called Star Walking Inc. and a Star Trek fan club here, Oztrek, and a couple other sort of uh, science fiction TV show movie fan clubs. Wait, you're both involved in the Star Wars and the Star Trek? Yes, I feel like back yes. then my, my vision was that those are very separate groups. You didn't co-mingle here, but... <laughs> there was there was a little bit of crossover, but yeah. There... Well, see, another... What a unifier here. Not only unifying the community for A Song of Ice and Fire, but also just for all... All of these interests. Well, it, it, I, I got uh, involved in um, doing uh, some of the fan publications for the clubs. Um, uh, for the Star Walking, there was a – we put out a fiction fanzine called Alliance. I think we did four – four, I was going to say four episodes <laughs> – four um, issues with one other guy from the club. And that was good. I wrote some fiction for it as well as helped put it together and design it and that sort of thing. And that was sort of my introduction to fan publishing and – and then uh, with um, Catherine Shade, a very good friend of mine, um, who was involved in the Star Trek Club, we started doing um, what was called then the Captain's Log. It was their, uh, their uh, newsletter. We turned it into a sort of a semi-fanzine. You didn't see me do the air quotes there. And, um, <laughs> and then after a while of doing this, we were like, well, why can't we take these skills and do something bigger and better with it? Sort of, we we each had a sort of a well, we crossed over with the roles. That tended Catherine tended to be the editing side of things and, and arranging writing and that sort of thing, where I tended to do the the uh, the graphic design and the layout and, and that sort of thing. We decided then that we why don't we do see if we can do our own magazine? And this was 1994, 1995, 1995. We put out issue one of Frontier, the Australian science fiction media magazine. Um, I think the X Files was on the cover, as I recall, the first issue. Yeah, I'm and, into um, pictures here. And uh, yeah, and then that ran for probably four or five years, five years maybe. Um, we started out with bi monthly, 
and then that was just we both had full-time jobs as well so mm. it, it, it became just too much to try and do it because we were doing distribution as well some people overseas sort of had some interest and we sent issues and some people subscribed and that sort of thing yeah it was all mainly just uh distributing to shops around um Melbourne, where we were. So it wasn't anything huge. Well, I'm looking at some covers here and like it would have been the sort of thing that if I had seen, I would have definitely like picked up. <laughs> yeah, X-Files in the cover, but there's some Star Wars in there, Babylon 5, Contact. Um, looks just fantastic. We had, we were fortunate enough to, um, to because of our involvement in various fan clubs, we had some contacts in the various industries and that sort of thing that um, we could uh, organise. And then we knew people who ran conventions and that sort of thing. So when actors or anybody would come out, we'd, we'd get a chance to sit down with them and do interviews and then write that up and publish it in the magazine, which was a lot of fun. But after after a few years, it became all too much doing it bi-monthly. We moved it to quarterly. Yeah, everything has like an ebb and flow. Yeah, that's right. And it was always a, a hobby, a side project. And it, in the end, it just became all too much. It um, So we decided, well, we just had to wrap it up. So we moved online. This was the days of the internet. We, um, we moved it, uh, the, the bigger internet as we know it now. We moved it online for like an issue, I think. We did a, like a PDF issue. And then after doing that, it was like... Uh, even that is just with so much real life getting in the way it was just like yeah yeah, so we wound it up and uh, I think we ended up with something like 21 or 23 issues or something like that. And I think the last one, the online one, was a Star Trek issue on the cover. Yeah, so we got to meet and talk to heaps of different people, had a lot of fun doing it. But after a while, it all just became a bit too much, so we moved on. And I discovered World of Warcraft. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, that sucked in. I'm sure for quite a bit. Do you still play? Uh, no. Um, okay. <laughs> when I mentioned World of Warcraft, I talk about the, the lost years, lost ten years or so of World of Warcraft. Oh. I was playing first-person shooters online. Uh, Day of Defeat was the one, best one that I played. You know, the first-person shooting games. And um, and then someone I knew who played that introduced me to Warcraft and said, "You should, you should try this game." And yes, I was immediately hooked to it and um, played it yeah, about 10 years or so. Later in those time, I sort of left it and came back a couple of times and then eventually decided, look, this is just too much. I can't play this game and have a real life at the same time. So, yes. so uh, That's a very common story, I think. It is, uh... yeah, I, I, I look at it as uh, like a, a functioning addiction in that, you know, I, I kept the job and I kept a social life and sort of thing, but uh, any spare moment I wanted to be playing World of Warcraft. And so, yeah, during that time, I wasn't really, much miniature gaming at all because I was playing World of Warcraft when I stopped playing WoW. I really picked up uh, the miniatures gaming again, um, even though I'd never really given it up, but I'd really cut back a lot when I was playing online games. So, yeah, so that got me back into uh, playing miniatures games again. Yeah, and here we are. And a lot of our listeners are uh, coming from a Song of Ice and Fire background, but if there was like another game, another miniatures game that you would hold close to your heart besides a Song of Ice and Fire, what game might that be and, and what kind of attracts you to it? Really, at the moment, I would would say a company called in the UK called Two Fat Lardies, mm-hmm. um, who make a game called Chain of Command. It's a World War II skirmish game. And when the first time I played that, I, th- I just found it a really breath of fresh air, very refreshing. I've always loved um, Second World War gaming. That's where I started with tanks and 172 scale figures. And it's a period that I have interest in. So I'd been getting into... Uh, bolt action uh, and then i don't know how i can't remember how i stumbled across these rules or something from one of the um the let's play type videos 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I watched that. I thought this is this these wolves look really different. Uh, so I tried them. And I was like this. I was very impressed. So yeah. So chain of command is really the uh, the game at the moment for me that uh, scratches that different itch from a song of ice and fire. It's such a good game to my mind. Started actually building a modification to it for Star Wars, going oh. with the Legion again because the Legion figures were out and there's um, lots of them, <laughs> as I can see on my desk here, being painted. <laughs> uh, so I started building a modification of the Chain of Command rules called Star Wars Chain of Command, just so you could play with the, uh, the Star Wars figures <laughs> using those rules. Is that available anywhere? Uh, well, it's on Facebook actually, the, the Facebook group Star Wars Chain of Command. If people search for it, it's it's not a set of its own rules. You need the Chain of Command from two fat ladies to to play it's just a modification of them. so but there are lots of different modifications out there. people um obviously inspired by <clears throat> pardon me inspired by the rules do modifications for like uh, science fiction for 40k for fantasy uh, world war one vietnam so lots of people who these are this is not official modifications by the way for the most part other than that other games than that really well, we're always looking for cool games and i know actually chain of command not one that's come across my my radar really yet i know bolt action comes up a lot um yep. is what's kind of the difference between bolt action and chain of command like well, if, you know if i was trying to pick between one way direction to go or the other well chain of command really works more narratively i think Mm-hmm. Um, bold, bold action um, tends to be. I would. I look at it as it's not necessarily a competitive designed game for that purpose, for competitive purpose. But it works mm-hmm. well for a competitive purpose. You build an army based upon uh, points that gives you a um, you know uh, like a, a. I hesitate to use this comparison, but like a forty k top force. You know you mm-hmm. so much infantry, these sort of vehicles. Like where chain of command tends to aim towards more being historically accurate, if I can say that. Plus, it's very small action. It's like most a, um, a platoon of infantry. So you'll have you know three or four squads of infantry, and then rather than um, building an army of then using, I have you know a thousand points, and this is worth this, and this is worth this. You depending on the scenario, you might have a varying number of support points depending on what role you have, you're attacking or defending or something, and you choose from a table i can take one vehicle i can take um you know uh some a medic you know i can take uh an artillery barrage or something like this and and it also the, the big main difference for me there's two big main differences there's at the start of the game there's a what they call a patrol phase where you're using tokens to sort of like it and it and it's represents your patrols from your front lines the patrols looking searching for the other side if you could imagine that hmm. and then when that when they meet it's like, oh, there's the enemy, and they report that back to their commanding officer. You end up moving these little four little, three or four little table until you get a certain distance from an enemy token. It's hard to explain over audio. People want to see it. There's videos around. Just give a search on YouTube. And then you deploy based on the locations that those are. So when you deploy, it's like you're not deploying from the edge. You're actually partway into the table already, and you're almost straight into action, almost straight into action. You, really, you, know, you might be one move and then take cover, and then you're straight shooting. And it's, it sort of saves that you know, line up on the edge of the table and march right. across until you run into the enemy. It sounds like it also means that every time you have a game or an engagement, you're going to have very different situations you might find yourself kind of deploying maybe in their traditional That's term. That's the thing. You could, you, could, 
you could have a game on a table that you've set up with terrain and then play a second game and have a completely different deployment depending mm. on how depending on how you move your patrol tokens at the start and where they meet up you can end up deploying completely differently and then things like the vehicles will can only come in on from the table edge it's a bit different to the infantry which deploys from the deployment points further up if there's a road they have to come in from the road and that sort of thing so yeah and then the other important difference in chain of command is the chain of command dice in that each turn is made up of what could be a never-ending number of phases so player one has their phase and usually five dice and then based on those dice you can determine what you can do during your turn so you can't necessarily do everything you Hmm. can't move your entire force you can't get your entire force to shoot or whatever like that i feel like secretly you're actually selling me on another game i've been looking (laughs) at uh two fat lardies have a game called infamy infamy which oh, is yes. uh, like more uh, Roman uh, Romans and, you know. Yes, that's, uh, their ancient, and, that's, that's a pretty new one. That's their ancients game. And I watched like a video. It wasn't one of their videos. It was someone else playing it. And I was just like, oh, this kind of looks interesting. And I watched it and I was like, I don't know what is going on because I'm so used to like a song of ice and fire. Like here's your 10 inch deployment zone. You put, put like you go, you go, you go. But I, you're describing it now as you're telling me this, I'm like, oh, that's what was going on when they were doing this. Like, oh man! So now we got to go dig out some other tutorials or videos on this. Yeah, well, they have they have a couple of different systems. There's another system called Sharp Practice, which is their sort of their their Napoleonic uh, yes. Civil War um, uh, rule so set. Is this all the same chassis? Like, or, or like, if I know how to play one, can I play? Because that's the other one. Everyone's like, you got to play Sharp Practice, Chase. Like, yeah, they're similar. Their 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 activation systems are a little bit different. Um, Chain of Command uses the dice um, Mm -hmm. where, uh, depending on what you roll, like if you roll a one, it's a team. So that's like usually two guys, you know, like an anti-tank gun team or something like that. If you roll a two, that's a a squad, but it's just the squad of itself, like, you know, the six guys or whatever or nine guys that you've got. If you roll a three, that's a junior leader. Now, a junior leader. Uh, a corporal in charge of um, the squad. Now he can have several action points that he can then decide. Well, I'll order my squad to move forward, and I'll order this these other guys over here to shoot. You know, so he yells his order across the battlefield type thing. You know, uh, a four is a senior leader, and that's like your your senior sergeant or your lieutenant, lieutenant. <laughs> Primarily American audience, so this we is, can do so right here. You're covered. Is, I was just thinking oh, that was very American of me. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he he has more command points, and um, and within his command radius, you know, the, the distance he can shout, he can order more things, you know. Um, and then uh, five is a chain of command point that basically they add up over time so that when you get a full one, a full chain of command die, uh, you get six points. Um, At some point you can spend that in the game at any point and do certain things. You might interrupt your opponent's turn or phase, I should say phase, not turn. Um, uh, You might um, call in an artillery badge, all these different things that – and then a six on its own does nothing, but if you get two sixes – it's a carry on where you then get the next phase. So you do your phase, you roll your die, and then if you've got two sixes, you can say, well, I'm doing the next phase. So you can sort of like seize the initiative type thing. So yeah, your opponent's sitting there waiting for you to finish. You know, it's very unlikely you'll keep getting phase after phase after phase. And then if you get three sixes, that actually ends 
turn, which so a turn can be lots of phases. So when you finish your phase, your opponent has their phase and they roll a die and do their stuff. And then you come back to your phase and so and so that. And then if someone happens to roll three sixes, that ends the turn. And then certain things happen at the end of the turn, like, uh, you know, if you fired smoke to cover your movement, smoke will dissipate and blow away. Uh, certain effects, certain morale effects happen and that sort of thing. And then this was talking about the different systems. <laughs> Sharp practice uses slightly different in that they have little cards that you draw to determine which of your leaders can act. So sharp practice is more, and infamy is more based on the leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so squads tend to not do things on their own. So like you know, sharp practice, you pull uh, I, my my leader three, uh, you know, Lieutenant Jones over there. He he can act now. Right? I'll tell his his uh, line of troops to shoot at your line of troops over there. That sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so they have slightly different systems, but. To my mind, I think they, they do a really good job of reflecting um, uh, the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I've ever been on a battlefield, so, you know, but. Um, it's okay. Well, you get it. I know you were saying you've been in the, the business for a while, feeling. but I didn't expect it to be in like Napoleonic. Uh, but, you know, like, <laughs> they give that feel. They, they give that feel. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the American Civil War is, is my big uh, love as well. Um, I've just finished just a little while ago um, a Union Army in 28 millimeter for sharp practice. So I just got to build a Confederate Army so I have someone to fight. Is there a COVID uh, project here? Uh, it was a bit, yes. Um, we were getting our house just before COVID sort of hit. We were just organized to get our house renovated. So we had to move out and we moved in with my in laws. <laughs> um, so then we were stuck. Oh, boy. Okay. During oh, the, uh, no other during, commentary on the air, I think. <laughs> during, during the COVID lockdown, my in-laws house, yes. So, yes. How so exciting for both of you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yes. And our two kids. So, yeah, anyway. So, so yeah, it's been a long year. We're back in our house now. So. Uh, fantastic. Um, well, it's always cool. I mean, that's one thing I really like about A Song of Ice and Fire, honestly, is that um, I feel like it's such a clean, sharp game system and that it's like yes. an anchor game for me. And then I can go off and have all these other experiences and mm. I can always come back to A Song of Ice and Fire and I always have that as this kind of like rock where, you know, I can get a quick game in, you know, the trays. It's an easy one to explain to other people. Yes. You know, it's a great community, but, you know, it's fun to go out and explore these other systems. And in the back of my mind now, not only is like everybody been talking to me about sharp practice, I didn't realize that like chain of command was in this uh, under two fat lardies as well. But people sharp practice, infamy, infamy, now chain of command. Now I'm almost thinking you're talking about that Star Wars thing. It's like, I wonder if I could somehow do like infamy, infamy with like a song of ice and fire, like cool mini or not minis or something and, and have, you uh, you know, you probably could. I haven't, I haven't, I've got infamy, infamy, but I haven't looked at, I haven't, didn't think of that actually, but um, you probably could, but I mean, you know, it, they tend to be very um, miniature, um, not miniature specific, those games. So it doesn't matter what miniatures you use. Um, I've played. I've played. Creating a monster here. I've played China Command in both 28 mil and 15 millimeter. And oh. uh, 15 millimeter actually feels even better in my mind. I think so. My f- friends and I sort of moved because they were, some of them I know were playing um, Flames of War, mm-hmm. it, which I got into a little while ago as well, but then sort of moved away from um, for reasons that probably not wanted to discuss. <laughs> and um, and then, uh, yeah, but 15mm tends to, I think, fit the, the game even better. So 
that that little scale change just sort of makes it feel very very good. But anyway, we're here talking about a song of ice and fire. <laughs> and I'm going off ranting about different games. I think you know. I think a, a song of ice and fire players in a lot of ways, and you know, it's kind of a more board gamey war game, or more like X Wing. And I think a lot of people who came into a song of ice and fire came from a lot of different backgrounds, and maybe haven't necessarily had as much experience with war gaming. And that's what's so great about it. It's like a gateway game, right? So bringing all these people in, and it's it's cool to hear about other gaming experiences too, because this is a hugely expansive hobby, and there's so many cool ways to appreciate it and you know if you're going to buy a song of ice and fire miniatures to play your D games you can <laughs> buy a song of ice and fire miniatures to play you know with some other systems as well that's always kind of cool to to hear and explore also helps encourage you to paint up what you have right <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah painting yes the other the other system i will mention just off to the side here um warlords of erawan warlord games no i haven't played this but i saw some of the uh the miniatures if anybody was looking for a system to is there something um, that wasn't a song of Ice and Fire? Then I could definitely recommend Warlords of Era One. It's um, it's one of those more generic type games, um, but uh, it works similar to the Bolt Action system. But um, so if you ever played Bolt Action, you'll you'll get Warlords pretty quickly. Um, but uh, I really really enjoyed a few games of Coronavirus Lockdown of that uh, system. Um, so anyway, yes. Fantastic. Well, you know, as we maybe start to wrap things up a little bit here, any things you want to plug or any uh, things you want to hint at for the future of, you know, one thing, one thing I will say, I just, I just realized I should talk about um, is that um, I have a, a hobby page. It's not my name. It's called that Aussie gamer. It's on Facebook. It's Aussie also gamer. That Aussie gamer. <clears throat> yeah. It's basically my, it's Instagram as well. It's basically just photos of projects I've been doing and general things. So, you know, if anybody wants to check that out, by all means, they can see what I've been painting. Um, so you'll, if you look at it, you'll see where I was oh, yeah. with uh, my Targaryens and see some of the current Legion stuff I've been painting. And then Fantastic. just general, generally talks about it's usually just pictures. Well, it looks awesome. So make sure uh, if you're listening, go ahead and check out that AussieGamer.com. Uh, and I see some Legion stuff up in there. Got a whole bunch. It looks like you got your son playing some games too, maybe. Uh, yes. He, um, during the lockdown, was picking up the, um, you know, that Age of Sigma had the uh, the magazine started coming out, what they call mm-hmm. it. I can't remember what it was called, but anyway. So I picked up a few issues of that and put together the figures. And he was very fascinated with those. And I had my elves out one day, um, my old fantasy elves, and he just started sort of he grabbed the the map and started putting them out and started making up his own rules and thing with them, and that fascinated him for like a few days, like just just moving the figures around himself and playing and sort of thing. I played a little bit with him, but uh, he's six. It's like it's 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 hard to. Uh, explain the concepts of a war game to him but uh, so i've been looking around for games that i can sort of slowly introduce you he does like star wars so i gather um legion or at least china command legion will probably get in there somewhere it's the next generation you know yeah, exactly. wow. yeah. one day he's gonna be like you know we meet again at last the circle <laughs> is now complete <laughs> be like what <laughs> <laughs> yes, when we left, I was but the learner. No, I'm <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yes, 
Well, that's fantastic. (laughs) And, and, you know, and thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, thank you also so much for your work in the Song of Ice and Fire community. I mean, that's such an important part of of a Song of Ice and Fire and place for people to go and meet. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you're kind of one of the unsung heroes. Uh, And so, you know, I really appreciate kind of the tireless effort you you've put in. And, you know, we are all very thankful. So, you know, on behalf of everybody who uses that uh, venue, like, thank you. And uh, I look forward to checking out your website now. You know, they got a cool place to go. Oh, yeah. That's not that great. <laughs> well, Steve, I want to see some more painted stuff here. So I'll be, I'll be that's, checking that's, that. No, no pressure now. <laughs> motivation to paint. That's the thing. There we go. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. And in the meantime, hope you get your miniatures on the table.